Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bastianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Hi, Lana. Hi, Linda. Welcome back. Yes, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been. Uh, we're looking forward today to um, speaking with Deb Walsh. And uh, welcome, Deb. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for being with us today. Deb is a social entrepreneur whose most recent endeavors include creating conversation salons, leading personal development workshops, curating and hosting communities, and overseeing a broad range of writing, communications, and event productions for corporations, filmmakers, artists, and various other change makers. In 2016, she founded X Factory. We're going to be talking more about that later an intergenerational community of curious, open-hearted women exploring the intersection of belonging and becoming. She's also the creator of Cue Cards, a series, as she describes it, of soul-stoking prompts designed to help modern minds pause, reflect, and reconnect with their inner wisdom. Begun as a personal passion project, Cue Cards are being adopted for corporate and wellness programs across the country. Deb is also a writer, meditator, coach, and musician. She lives outside Providence, Rhode Island. So welcome again, Deb. We're looking forward to having this conversation with you. What occurred to me in reading your bio is that the big sweep of your adult life seems to be about communication and connection. So I was wondering, in, when you were a child, when you, in your earlier years, could you see this coming? What was it about your experience that you think may have contributed to what you do today? Well, I think that my lifelong experience really has been a search for meaning and probably a search for personal meaning. Um, I would say probably some kind of a quest for authenticity. So while you can't really, you can never, you know, you can never see how the dots connect until you look back. Yeah. Um, looking back, it makes a lot of sense that I'm doing the work that I'm doing now. Did I see it coming? No, not exactly. But I think it does fall squarely into the camp of um, people really trying to find their place and to find their place in some kind of community. Did you have, as, as a child, did you feel within your community that you had a place? Yeah, I think I did, actually. I had a really strong, um, I had a really tight family. I had a really, grew up in a small town in Connecticut. Um, there actually was a lot of sense of community. Um, and of course, it was a long time ago before our digital 24-7 connected world, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Connected in a different um, way. Yeah, I really think for me it probably has always been way more of a search for my place inside of a bigger world. And I think today that's where a lot of people actually are, you know, which is where what you guys are doing with this podcast is so great in terms of people really looking to articulate their wisdom. Yeah, yeah, to see it, number one, and see it as a guide and to, to kind of respect and realize it more fully. And that's what we're hoping to do. And it's clear from what you've done that that's been part of your, uh, a large part of what you do and have done to get where you are now in this creation process. Creativity seems to be flowing throughout your, certainly your adult life. 
Yeah, it definitely has been flowing probably through my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a musician and in later years a writer. So yeah, I guess I would identify as a really creative person. But I think that in terms of right now, I really think that the work that I'm doing is about, it's not, it's about people making connections because people really do feel very disconnected, Mm -hmm. even though we're all hyper-connected, right? But I think that what people are really actually in search for is that sense of belonging. So I, I think that that's really where I'm starting to see a point of differentiation in terms of what I'm trying to do right now, which is, you know, a work in process too. Did you have a point in, in your own life where you lost a sense of meaning or belonging and so this was brought to the forefront for you or reignited for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that, I mean, in terms of my personal journey, mm-hmm. um, I was always a musician. I was really a musical kid. When I decided to go off to college, I pretty much walked away from that entire aspect of my identity and so and went on and pursued other things. But I think uh, there was definitely a, a pull back to that for me. So I had to find my way back to that place within myself to be a creator. So yeah, it was definitely a, you know, a journey, so to speak, for me, um, back to myself. Was it that music gave you something or allowed you to tap into something bigger than yourself or hit that flow? Because I'm sure throughout your life, you've, we've always been creating. We, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. create our Whether day. We know we it create, or not. Yeah, yeah you know, there's yeah. different levels. But I mean, what did music give you that you found you had you circled back to it? Well, I think, I mean, for me, I've always said that um, music was just in my DNA. I mean, I was just mm-hmm. hardwired to, you know, like some kids are athletic, some kids are writers, some kids are engineering, you know, problem-solving kind of people. Um, it was just absolutely in my, in my veins. I started playing the piano when I was you know, five. I didn't really even know any other way to express myself. So, yeah, it was probably like it was just so natural to me. I didn't ever really think about it, like mm. a lot of things. And then you don't really think about it until you walk away from it. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, like like a, I'm sure a lot of people's early midlife kind of, you know, you have periodically have those sort of come to Jesus moments, like, why am I here? For me at the time, I was working as a publicist and I was doing all kinds of social media consulting and things like that. But I realized that there was just a huge part of my identity that wasn't forward facing in any way. So for me, it just became really important to to figure out how to bring that back to life. And then, you know, along the, along the way, slay a whole lot of dragons, you know, for why that had gone away in the first place. Was your family musical or was this just like you're the you were the lone wolf? <laughs> lone wolf. I mean, my dad was a a very successful business person in his career, and then, but he was also um, the choir director in our church for thirty years, and he played the piano, and he was Mm -hmm. this handsome leading man guy who was in all the musical theater productions in my little hometown in Canton, Connecticut. And uh, both my brothers, my mom sang in the choir; Um, she was a teacher. And both my brothers actually are very, very talented musicians. They're not 
they didn't pursue that as careers, but they both have, you know, always been um, musicians, guitarists, bands. P and my younger brothers are really gifted jazz pianists. They mm-hmm. both, been, you know, owned recording studios. So there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a lot in really my really a musical in, in family. my immediate yeah. family. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's funny how we sometimes close off certain parts of our lives thinking we've either outgrown it or we need to get serious about stuff and and pursue something or somebody tells us something. I mean, I have a really good friend who same thing happened to her. She kind of shut down her music and she played piano and she sang as well. And and then when she reopened it, just her whole life expanded. Like it infused every part of her life and she felt alive again. Yeah, it's really hard to, I mean, I, I... Linda knows this. Um, you know, I I ended up on a soapbox after I kind of went through my own journey back to myself. And I, you know, talked to a lot of parents and a, a lot of kids, actually, who um, were really afraid of pursuing, you know, some kind of creative career. And I didn't do it. I could have done it, but I didn't do it. And I always, you know, I always say to people, you know, it's a lot harder to try to be who you aren't than to try to actually become yeah. who you are. Um, and I think that, that, you know, I think that a lot of kids and people in that creative vein, it gets a bad rap. I think that it's harder, more more arduous, more tricky, less financially rewarding. And yeah, it's hard, but... Like I've always said to a lot of people, you know, it's really hard to be an accountant if you're a musician. Yeah. So it's harder to be who you aren't. So many people struggle with that. They become the accountant instead of the musician. And then yeah, you hear it all the time, yeah. right? You hear it all the time. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, many of those people, but not all, um, change gears, decide that they want to put aside other things and return to that longing, that peace that um, that they left behind. That's yeah, part of that search. Yeah, I I um I remember reading a book by a um, there's a writer by the name of Stephen Cope, and he worked for many years at Kripalu. I'm not sure what he's doing now, but you know he talks about his years at Kripalu, watching you know, tens of thousands of people coming through the doors of that you know, iconic institution and saying, I would, him saying, I would guess that upwards of 75% of all the thousands of people that walk through the store every year say that they're looking for their voice. Hmm. So it's like everybody, there is this sort of pervasive, you know, crisis of people trying to find their own sense of self, you know, and however you, you know, it's kind of what you're doing here too. It's like, how do you mine your own wisdom? What, you know, what is it? Where does it come from? How does it evolve? How does it develop? Yeah. What channel do you open Mm -hmm. to let it flow through you and let it, let it support you in creating what you're here to do? Yeah. I mean, I love the whole idea of as wisdom as a topic to explore more deeply because I I feel like we're in such a knowledge culture. We're in, you know, it's so easy. It's a great thing. I mean, I am a huge, you know, fan of the digital world. And it's certainly let us access infinite amounts of knowledge. Yeah. Um, and connect with people globally and, in a way that yeah, is much the connectivity, more Yeah, the yeah. connectivity is incredible, right? But I do think that what's missing in that there is kind of like, 
like a a wisdom gap i think because i think that the wisdom is in the is in the how you articulate your experience of getting how you went from here to there it's not a knowledge it's a different kind of a knowledge yeah right and i think that people are really hungry for spaces and places and communities of people where they can actually discover that they have that wisdom everyone does everyone does right but you don't discover it by an outward facing kind of connection that you do on social media i mean it's a different kind of community you know of connection but it's not it doesn't give you that same sense of like belonging when you know and belonging is really that sense of you know that i'm being accepted for who i am who I am and why I am who I am, which is all bound up in your wisdom, right? Yeah. I love the ideas of the salons that you're creating, where you do talk, you create community and and connection. Um, at first, when I read that, I thought of the sort of the pre-French revolutionary period with uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Napoleon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his wife, she would have these salons. Kind of Everybody had these salons. Yes. And that that's where there was conversation and right. ideas that were shared. Was that your inspiration? I mean, initially, sure. Um, the genesis of what I'm doing now was an earlier iteration of the same thing, but it really was me saying, ah, oh, there's all these women in particular. I mean, there are men too, but in, in this case, it was me seeing so many women of so many different ages really, really feeling like they were siloed um, in a sense. They, they were either like within their group of uh, 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60-year-old people, but you never really having that sense of literally like around the table with a bunch of um, other wise women sharing those kinds of perspectives and experiences and drawing out each other's, you know, fears and challenges and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, in, you think about how those salons in the, you know, in Paris in the way back were really intellectual you know, incubators for women, right? They yeah. were oh, led by was... some woman would open her <laughs> yep. bedroom up and and curate a group of women who were really there for the, you know, solely for the purpose of like personal and intellectual development. Yeah. So we're kind of back to that now. I think people really want that. I can see how that would have been a way for them to create a a deeper meaning for their lives and a purpose. I mean, they, they were so constricted in so many ways in their society. And so you see a need as well, a continuing yeah, need. Yeah, I mean, I think that what's interesting nowadays is that because we're so open and we're so connected and everybody's so global, you're not thinking necessarily, oh, I'm siloed. You know, you're not, you feel like you're really out there and you're connected, you know, especially this, you know, like a, the generation of anybody who's in their, you know, 20s, 30s, they've spent their entire lives like in a really interconnected global community that's right but i do think that and they've said to me these are people that are my my kids are that age too but have said we we we're really craving the space to have the conversations that go deeper and i really do think that people don't feel that they're being heard you know they don't feel like that they're in a space where they're being um 
where they're being given the opportunity to actually listen, but also that they're being heard. Yeah. And listening is underrated. You know, people don't really learn. So many, so many people listen to speak, right? They're ready to tell mm-hmm. you what they, what's on their minds, but they're not really deeply listening. And learning to listen at a deeper level is an important part of creating that connection. And I know that's what you're after with X Factory. So you have a, you have a storytelling component. So what I do with, with each X Factory um, is I bring people together and I, I pick a theme uh, for each gathering. And they're really pretty global themes. So the theme, the first one that I did was the theme of chance. And what I really want people to do is I want them to walk into a room and feel like they've experienced um, different perspectives so that as they assimilate these different perspectives, they're, they're reframing their own sense of not only themselves, but of their place in the world. So, and I know that through this sort of storytelling, sharing element, uh, people do have that shift in mindset. So what we do is we form a circle, three or four women of different ages stand up and tell a short story from their own experience around the theme. And so ahead of time, what I've done is I've talked to each of these women and had them pull a story from their experience that sheds a different light and dimension on that theme. So for example, with um, the theme of chance, we had a woman who was in her mid-20s, mid to late 20s, who had overcome a drug addiction. And so her story was really about giving herself a second chance. We had another story about, um, kind of a funnier one, about how a chance encounter with somebody changed the whole direction of their life and career. So we looked at chance from different, from all different angles. And then what we do is we break into these smaller group conversations where most everybody is a stranger, which adds a whole other element of yes, um, it does. surprise and kind of mystery and discovery to it. Um, but then in those circles, we use uh, questions to prompt stories from people about their experience around the theme of chance. That's so brilliant. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. So there's something about, you know, initially when you're, you're on the receiving end of a story, which is like being on the, in the audience of a TED Talk mm-hmm. or a moth, you know, something like that, which are these wildly popular storytelling platforms, yeah. right? So you're on the receiving end, and as you're hearing this story, you're assimilating this other person's experience. And, you know, I do a little bit of upfront work where I, I say to people who are in, that, in the group, in the circle, you know, try really hard to just be present with these stories and practice listening. And we do actually practice listening, you know, which is like as you're listening, saying to yourself, you know, I'm wondering, I'm curious what it's like to be you. And so just being able to hold open a question like that while you're listening yeah. makes you more receptive to what somebody is saying. I, I love that it's also intergenerational. Like mm-hmm. We're not talking about just a, one age group of women. Do you, have you come across any challenges or ha, have the, the benefits just completely outweighed any challenges you may have faced? 
You mean challenges in terms of like in terms oh, of having like cross generational yeah people in the room yeah um, no actually surprisingly no and it was I have to admit it was it was almost sort of by accident it was sort of a happy accident that the first X Factory that we hosted was this melting pot of women from their early twenties to there was women there in their eighties. Um, and one of the things that everybody talked about at the end of that evening was how cool it was to be in this place where you could sort of see your future self or see your past self and yeah, share the great. wisdom in hindsight for the younger women that were there. They almost universally said something to the effect of, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Like we're so in our hive of togetherness of being 25 years old that we've lost perspective on what it's like to be in your 40s or 50s and having had already gone through this phase that we're all freaking out in. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be able to get that sense of, you know, whatever it is, hope, optimism, resilience, grit, like fun, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And it's like the old, I mean, we used to have this right in the old days where generations lived together and, you know, people sat around in a circle and it was really sacred wisdom that women shared with each other. That's really what we're best at. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think that wisdom is only available after a certain age Mm -hmm. or after a certain set of experiences. And yet it's Mm -hmm. available to all of us, no matter the age. Yes. With advanced age, there's experiences that one can draw on and that can be useful. So it can kind of add to your wisdom. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Let's not go there. Yes, right. Just let the other ones go. Selective yeah, well, memory. One, one of the, you know, one of the things that I had to be really careful about and when I was sort of designing this X-Factory idea, because I was sort of making it up as I was going along, um, was I, I wanted people to tell their stories, which has always been a big theme of mine, like tell your story and you'll change. Um, but I didn't want people to feel like they didn't have a story to tell unless they had overcome some horrific, you know, illness or been hit by a bus or had some terrible, you know, experience. Your experience growing up with two brothers could have a profound effect on your life story. Absolutely. So I had to make sure that in this gathering and in the sharing that people felt really okay with telling stories um, that weren't these sort of life or death yeah. Once, because yeah. that's a really fast way to shut people down yeah. and say something like, oh, I don't, saw, you know, I don't have anything to say because yeah. my life has been pretty, you know, flat. I remember in one of my earlier um, uh, events, uh, a woman told a story about her decision to let her hair go gray. And, you know, it was a really funny story, but I think for a lot of women, that's a really brave thing to do. Yes, and it is. You know, it wasn't a big deal in quotes, so to speak. It was a choice that she made and it was a journey for her and it was a great story and she told it. So it's kind of like giving giving people permission to explore every aspect of their of their knowing, right? Yeah, and realizing the value in that sharing. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, well, often goes unrecognized. Yeah, I mean, when yeah. we did that, I'm thinking about when we did the chance um, theme and I ended up in a small group and we were all swapping our chance stories um, and people had all these prompts to work from, so they had lots of options. You know, was it a chance encounter? Was it a chance you didn't take? Was it, 
you know, a chance that is right in front of you. There was all kinds of options that people had. And this one woman told this story about how she met some dude, you know, on a dude ranch. It was a classic sort of chance <laughs> love story, right? But, you know, it was a great, great, great story. So it ran the gamut. And yeah. it really is so heart opening to have that kind of sort of range and breadth of experience. You know, it's not filtered. Yeah. It's not curated. It's not planned. Nothing's rehearsed. It's really spontaneous. It's a really beautiful thing, at least, you know, it has been yeah. so far. Speaking of curation, you've used your questions as curators, in a sense. So, mm-hmm. and I know you've created a series of cue cards um, that came out of what? The cue cards, so the cue cards um, are a, a set of prompts um, that are now uh, packaged together in bundles so you can get a set of 30 or 60 or 90, depending on how I decide to do it this year. But that project really started from me having the realization that people were really looking for some kind of inspirational prompt to help them go a little bit deeper, right? People were looking for a question or some kind of a prompt to make them think, to stop, actually stop, unplug. Yeah, unplug. Stop, here's my thing, right? Stop, you know, unplug, ask and listen. And people weren't doing it and they were on this quest to find some kind of a vehicle to get themselves there. And so, I don't know, it's like two years ago, I decided that I didn't like any of the questions that were being floated around. So I had to put my money where my mouth was. And so I started writing what I thought were better questions. How did you manage that commitment What to, to do this? With a, a lot of anxiety at first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you it was did a it good anyway. idea at first. I got to 175 and I thought, what have I done? Um, but this was just for yourself initially, right? Or or it was started, your plan? Well, no, my initial plan, and it it worked out this way, was that I would I would send it, I would put it in the, a format that it could be sent out to my friends and family mm-hmm. or anybody who I it always was, starts that way. Any, it? it always does, right? That way, anybody <laughs> that was with anybody that was within shouting range that kind of was looking for something like this. So I had an email list that grew to maybe a couple hundred people. And I would email it out every morning. So every night or every early, early morning, I had to sit down and figure out what the, at the time it was called the daily queue and figure out what the, what the daily queue was going to be. And sometimes it was really easy because I would sort of bump into a song or a, a, you know, something on the news or I would be having coffee with somebody um, and it would, you know, a question would literally just sort of fall out of the sky Amazing how that happens, isn't it? It always yeah. does, right? Where it's so great. It's yeah. so great. I was with a friend of mine one morning, and um, she was talking about how she doesn't. She wasn't looking up from her phone, so it was one of those conversations. And we were talking about, do you see the sunrise in the morning? And we both live in places where you can actually see the sunrise. Um, and she was saying, um, "Oh, I know what my cue should be. My cue should be what? What do you see when you look up?" Which is a pretty good question, yeah. right? And I said, well, how, what if you looked at it as what are the magical effects of looking up? Mm. So it kind of had that added element to it of, oh, that could add a little bit more beauty to my day if I kind of carry that with me. Yeah. So that's the kind, it a that bit. was kind of the shaping yeah. 
challenge for me that could I actually take something like that and turn it into something that would be pos really positive mm -hmm. and kind of a beautiful little, um, you know, sidekick, wingman, wingwoman, yeah. um, you know, on your shoulder. Yeah, expand yeah. the possibilities for reflection throughout the day. Yeah, and I ended up with something like, I think I have six 600 questions. Is that it? <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> I need to amazing. start a new, we need to start a new round now. Cause you mentioned you had a lot of anxiety, you know, during the process. So well, a little bit, you know. A little bit. Performance so, anxiety. That, which is totally normal. What what was it, though, that carried you through that uh, that allowed you or got you to the point where you actually produced these for other people? Because there's a uh, lot of people question. that come up with great ideas. Like I, I've invented so many things in my mind that as have I, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as have I, <laughs> that I see other people do. And I go, oh, so what is it? that? OK, so it's this is it, I'll, it's actually a pretty I was sitting at my desk one day and um, my son. Peter was home from California visiting, and he looked over my shoulder, and he knew that I was doing this um, email daily cue thing. And he kind of looked over my shoulder, and he saw that he saw these like JPEG images of the daily cue, and they look pretty cool. I mean, they're they're sort of a branded thing, and said something to the effect of "You're crazy. You're sitting on an you're sitting on a physical product, and you don't even see it." Like you should make these into you should print them into cards. Um, people love this stuff. Everybody's buying these, you know, conversation starter right, cards. Yeah. And you know, you're crazy. You should you should just turn them into something else. That was the catalyst for the daily cue turning into what became named as cue cards. And sometimes all it takes is that little catalyzing person moment insight that you have that suddenly a whole new world opens up. But you, know? you still had Cue to cards, take the yeah. action to keep following through with yourself to do it. A lot of people would stop along the way and say, oh, it's too hard. It's I don't know how to do this. I'd, you know, like I'm curious about what kept you moving forward. It took me a lot longer than it might have taken me to get that project from um, one form to another. If I had taken my own advice, Mm -hmm. and brought in somebody else to help me with the print production side. Of it. All right, I have a, a fun thing. I have your cards, Shoot. Yes. your oh, no. cue cards, as go. in the letter Q. Yep. Um, and I just have randomly picked a question, so I'm going to ask it of you. What's the title of your future memoir? A, a ways back, I was thinking about writing some kind of memoir, and I was going to call it um, The Fisherman and the Mockingbird. And... Um, the title for that was from two really specific stories that along sort of my path back to, I would say, back to creativity. You know, and one was there was this metaphor of a fisherman, which is something that I saw one day and the fisherman going out to sea and me having a realization that everybody has a different mode of travel along their creative path. And that I had been somebody who had been trying to like drive a car with a map and that I needed to navigate more like the fisherman. Mm. So that was like yeah. part one of it. And then the mockingbird part was literally me encountering a, a like a mockingbird in the middle of the road one day who was just too afraid, literally too afraid to fly. You can't make this stuff up. Too afraid to fly and too afraid to sing. And And a friend of mine sort of came out of the blue as I was walking and sort of like set this bird free. 
And I had a moment of like, oh, that's so many of us, you know, just afraid of your own, you know, sort of frozen deer in the headlights. That's a beautiful story. Deb, um, it's been really beautiful having you here. This has been really insightful. I've loved learning about what what you've been doing, how you got to where you're doing, and all of these marvelous creations. And whatever you're going to create in the future, we're going to stay. I'm excited to see it. Well, thank you for having me. And um, I, I know that you, you guys will come, and share your, you can share your story about um, creating this podcast. And I think what we've seen with with creating this podcast is that it can be that easy. Okay, okay. Linda. <laughs> so funny. Uh, we're going to decide whether we're leaving this in the podcast or taking it out um, once we get to the editing room. Thank you for having me, you two wise women. I love what you're doing. I think that I think that there's a huge space for people exploring their wisdom and it's an it's an overlooked sort of it sounds to some people like an old term. Yeah. But it's really so current and so contemporaneous, I think, with what people are really looking for. They're really looking for that kind of deep understanding. And I think what you're doing is really important. Deb, how can people find you? They can go to xfactory.life, which is actually a new website that's going to be up, should be up now. And we have programming out six months now. So if you're in the Rhode Island area, hopefully you can join us. And if anybody is actually interested in hosting a conversation, they can reach out to me too. And I would love to help people produce their own X Factory with their own community. And I could set people up with cue cards and help them get underway because I think it shouldn't be limited to any one space because people everywhere are looking for it. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And Lana. Yes. Bye for now. Bye-bye, Linda. Yeah. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes. <laughs>